welcome back to the drop, the contest edition, and unfortunately, the tragic news of Makala Jones' passing this week has absolutely rocked the surf community. Our thoughts and well wishes to the Jones family. Uh, very sad day for anyone who ever come in contact with Makala. Certainly one of a kind, and absolutely lived his life to the fullest, chasing some of the best tubes all around the globe. So thinking of the Joneses and everyone that knew Makala. This week we've got a pre-comp rev up of J-Bay, some late mail, Aiden Mason cap for the men will be the wild card and for the women it's Sarah Baum. It's going to be a pretty exciting week at Jeffreys Bay, some good swell on the way. There's been some amazing free surf action getting around on Instagram. Let's get into the show with Mikey C and unveil his picks for the upcoming J-Bay Open. Mikey C, we have uh, been wheeling this one on. I was actually a bit nervous about a week ago, thinking we might have wheeled it on a bit too hard. We've been waiting for waves. It's firing all week this week at J-Bay. And with a bit of luck, we are going to get some waves for a contest. That does seem to be the case, but <laughs> yeah, I guess anything's possible. We've seen some okay forecasts go to shit this year, so I don't want to jump on it too early. But yes, early indications are positive for a strong J-Bay. But before we get into that, Stacy, we got to get through a few other things first. First and foremost, Elo Watch, we're all on it. I know it. We're on this roller coaster together. Right now, we're pretty much stuck at the top. We did that whole thing where you build up the tension and you go tick, 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 and you get to the top and you think it's about to release and you're going to go screaming for joy or horror or whatever it is, but we're just stuck there. Uh, I think they're working out a few of the, the things in the system, but nothing so far, so far as news goes with ELO, we still know nothing. Um, we know that the two interim CEOs, you know, they've been doing their jobs. They've been reaching out to, to all the different forms of the WSL, but as far as we understand, they've not even brought it up. So um, anything on your end? No, nothing on my end. And I would say the roller coaster, as far as my uh, emotions with regard to this situation, that my roller co- coaster's gone down. Like, I've had the Billabong Oki Grom comp, the Skull Candy Pro Junior and Junior comp at Lennox Head these last two weeks, the two biggest contests in the world back-to-back this last week. So uh, my emotions have been riding high with Australia's best junior surfers these last couple of weeks. So, mate, the WSL, whatever. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. But also, before J-Bay, we had the last Challenger Series event in Bolito. Things... uh a lot of things happened there. So you and I made some picks. None of them really came to fruition. However, a two percenter did win. Cole Hauschman won his second CS event in a row. He's now the second surfer in two years to do that. Rio Wida achieved it last year. He obviously qualified. And looking at the points from last year, Cole Hauschman and Jacob Wilcox are already significantly above the lowest finishing or the lowest qualifying number from last year. So we can say with a lot of certainty that they're going to be on the 2024 championship tour. And I know you called Jacob at the beginning of the year. Well done, Stacey. Oh, no worries. Yeah, no, I'm stoked to see him get there and uh, stoked to see one of my picks come through because I feel like I'm really hot and cold. I either get it on the money or just absolutely nowhere near it. So thanks, Jacob, for giving my picks some credibility. Uh, and on that, some of our best commenters on the site, uh, Mr. or Mrs., I'm not sure, Undergunned, uh, and another commenter mentioned that the, the points situation is a little different to last year. 
I've got to confirm, last year did only take four results. This year will only take, fuck, I should probably know this, four again? Yeah, four again. Four again. Okay, cool. So bear with me. The big difference, right, the massive difference this year is that not one CT surfer has taken 10,000 points out of the equation. Whereas last year we had three. Gabriel Medina, John Florence, and Callum Robson. This year, the points total will be higher. So just keep that in mind for cut watch with a few events coming up. Okay, that's really good to know. Um, so CS, and then on the women's side, Bronte McCauley won. So we had two goofy footers win at a predominant right-hander, which is impressive. Um, and God, I don't know. I, I really love the way that Cole surfs. I don't know about you. It's just big and powerful and smooth and... I think that uh, he could actually go pretty well at some of the spots on tour. It would be great, again, if we had a left so that he could showcase that, you know, forehand of his. But the backside, as we saw in Bolito, is also very sharp. Oh, and he's frisky too. Like, he did a turn in Narrabeen that he didn't have in his top two counting rides, but it was this huge, like, Reynolds fin drift thing. Psycho. Like, he's, you know, we, we talked about it a lot. He's 6'2 or 6'3 or whatever, and... 190 pounds but man he's so light on his feet for a big fella so yeah and I think you know the one thing on the tour that you just need a really good dose of is power and he's got plenty of that so congratulations Cole made the tour what a dream come true and on the women's side nobody has are has hit last year's um point minimum nobody's hit the the spot that the fifth place qualifier did last year and remember women only get five spots men get 10 so it's really tricky for the women but on the women's side, we do have four Australian former CT surfers in the top five. That's Isabella Nichols, Sally Fitzgibbons, India Robinson, uh, Tahiti's Vahine Fierro in fourth, and then Bronte McCauley with that big win rounding out fifth place. So a lot of familiar faces on there. Would be really cool to see Vahine on tour. Obviously, we know her for her barrel prowess, but she's actually an amazing surfer in every form. So yeah, a lot of exciting things happening on the CS. There's three events left, so still a lot of room to move. Speaking of Vahine, being from Tahiti, we are a contest wrap-up podcast, and it would be remiss of us not to give a round of applause, I would say, to Fernando and his team at the ISA, who stumped up and shipped a bunch of the Paris Olympic hopefuls to Tahiti last week for that last swell. So I don't have the full list, but it was Al Cleland Jr., Brian Perez, a.k.a. the Pink Panther, Safi Vetti from New Zealand, and a host of other surfers, I think Shino Matsuda from Japan, sent them there all on the ISA's dime to practice and get ready for that event. And I just think that is like, that's going above and beyond as an organization. Like that is... That's seriously cool. I was wondering how all those people... I mean, I figured that they were there to prep for the uh, um, Olympics, but I had no idea that the ISA had footed the bill. That's really cool. Super cool. And I think it just goes to show the sign that, you know, the organization is behind the progression and development of everyone in the sport. And they're taking Tahiti seriously, which we all do. And we're kind of looking at it, you know, we're all laughing at it going, oh, Olympics at Chopes, like gee, how's that going to go down? And they're really doing their best to make sure that everyone is as well prepared as they can be for the event coming up next year. So One thing I did notice, I was looking at the uh, Olympics thing just this past week because I'm actually, I'm going to see if we can get a reporter there, maybe even myself. 
because we weren't able to do that in Japan with all the COVID <laughs> stuff going on. And I think it'd be awesome to have somebody on site. So I did realize, though, that right now they just have four days blocked off for the waiting period. It's the right time of the year, but I don't know, a four-day window, you just it's so hit or miss. You know, it could be flat, um, could be code red, but... Yeah, I'd love to see that waiting period a little bit longer. I don't know. I feel like this happened last year. On paper, there were like four days, but in reality, there were more or something like that. Do you do you mm. remember? I can't remember, but I don't know. Maybe we have to get on the phone to the IOC and just try and get that extended a little bit. But one thing I would say is that something about Fernando just gives me great confidence. So I'm not too worried. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, to Buck's point. You do something for 20 years and people tell you it can't happen and then it does and you get to wear whatever you want. So I think that's where that confidence comes from. I think so. I think so. Okay. Well, enough of the ISA, enough of the CS. We've got the CT to talk about. J-Bay is coming up soon. Probably going to start the first day of the waiting period. So Stacy, let's get into a forecast. All right, Mikey. Uh, like I said earlier, I definitely think there's waves coming. Uh... But I'm a bit worried about the wind. I think that we'll get underway first thing on day one. They do only need three days now with the, obviously the tour being cut down dramatically after the mid-season cut. But like I said, J-Bay loves a south-southwest swell, which we're going to be getting plenty of that throughout the whole window. But the one thing that concerns me is just the overall temperature. J-Bay is very similar to Bells in that it loves weather. You want to see a lot of clouds. You want to see a lot of wind from a good direction. And, you know, with that comes a lot of swell and, you know, full days of running. So what you don't want to see at J-Bay is the temperature warm up and that north wind kick in. Because much like a snapper or any of the points around the world, like with that wind going directly up the face, it just becomes such a nightmare to surf. It's not like an air wind. It's not like a fun, rippable onshore. It's just dog shit and it's called devil wind for a reason so there's definitely a few days in the forecast where that's going to show up of an afternoon sometimes early in the morning too because overnight doesn't blow like a stiff offshore like on the you know forecast there's a lot of green days of wind which is not what you want you want to see it red and purple and just absolutely hooking because that grooms the faces up to perfection so i'm excited mikey but i'm, I'm also a little bit uh hesitant to say it's going to be completely pumping yeah well it's 2023 so you would be out of your mind if you claimed that it was going to be pumping because that's just not not the pattern we're in right now but at least there's waves coming there's a couple swells like you said that first day has pretty good swell and then probably going to have a few lay days when it goes small and then we get another like three to four days of swell in the back end of the period so at the very least they're going to be surfing waves um that said we do know that jay bay can be very lully um, especially depending on what the swell direction is. There are a couple days that look more west than southwest, and that's when it starts to get a bit slow. But what they do have is they have a lot of days that they can run, and they have not that many heats to get through. So what they can do is basically make heats longer. They can still do overlapping. I think we saw 50-minute overlapping heats at one of the events this year. I wouldn't be shocked if they went that way at J-Bay as well. So yeah, the WSL, they've got a lot of options, and we're going to have Hopefully a really fun event one way or another. I don't know if it's going to be perfect, but there's going to be swell. They can extend those overlapping heats. It does get to a point where if you push the heat time out to more than 50 minutes, it actually doesn't save you any time. But I'm actually not so worried about that from like an event perspective. I'd still just way rather see four crew in the lineup. It's just, it just means that if a four-wave set comes, which can happen even on the lovely days, you, you get you get waves ridden, um, you know, no matter what, because... 
you know, that, that is definitely a wave where you watch a lot of waves go unridden just with the two people out there. And you're just sitting there on the steps going, oh my God, I would pay a lot of money for that wave. Um, but, you know, when the surfers in heats are looking for eights and nines, you, you understand why they're letting them go. But with four people in the water, I just think that, yeah, it's easily the best format going around. All right. So, Stacey, you have been to J-Bay a few times. I've never been there. For the people at home, can you give us like a realistic breakdown of what it's like to surf this wave? I've heard that it's harder than it looks is like the, the general consensus. It's it's extremely humbling to sit there and watch everyone warming up and then you go home and stack the footage of Ricardo Christie or Malia Manuel and you watch the clips and go, okay, cool. As a filmer coach, you kind of have a pretty good lay of the land. You understand like where the takeoff spot is where the apex predators are sitting, where the scraps are, and everything in between, like the albatross section down the line. You, you sort of have a pretty good map on things and, and where you're going to fit in out there. Um, generally, you wait for the coach's wind to come up and then go out for a paddle. Coach's wind. It nice. is <laughs> easily the hardest wave to surf in, in the world. Like, without a doubt, you, I watch these clips. Like, Griffin just put up a clip before. And I'm just going, how on earth is he surfing that wave so good? Like, it is so hard to commit yourself to any turn out there. Like, turn your shoulders and your head and your hips, like, back to the foam on, like, a full-blooded carve. Because there's this wall that just stretches out into the desert that you're just absolutely certain that you're not going to make. So you race it. And then you race it and you realize that the barrel's 40 meters behind you. So then you slow down and then you get lipped in the head and it runs off on you. Like it is just so, so hard to surf. So the way that all these men and women surf it is actually, it defies belief. But as far as a location and recommending it, I, I couldn't recommend the place higher. Like it is just honestly one of the best places in the world. So definitely looking forward to getting going back there one day. I, I wouldn't say that every place on tour you could say that about. Uh, but yeah, for sure, J-Bay is the absolute sickest. Great food, great waves awesome sightseeing jumped off that fuck you bridge that was pretty sick um yeah but how's this we did that and then the next day maddie mcgilvray put up a video of him just jumping off it with his flying suit and we we're like oh my god we're the biggest pussies ever <laughs> so right now there is a jb preview live on the site it's done by paul evans who also waxes very poetically about jb he loves the place too and one of the things he did for this piece was he talked to Duncan Scott. I know he's coached Carissa before, and he also coached Ethan Ewing to his first CT event win last year. I'd assume he's going to be in Ethan's corner again in 2023. But he gave some really, really good insights about J-Bay. And one of the things that really stood out to me, and that I think probably aligns well with Ethan surfing, and he's talking about sort of the difference between, you know, the, the good surfers that go to J-Bay and the great surfers that really connect with it. And Duncan said, a great musician plays the same notes on the piano as everyone else, but it's the space between the notes that separates a great musician from a pub brawler. It's the space between maneuvers that equates to flow, and it comes from having a quiet mind, simplifying choices. Flow is a mental clarity that comes over you in surfing. And obviously everybody on the CT is capable of single big maneuvers, which you need to get high scores. But I think the difference between people who do it regularly out at J-Bay and who actually can go into that real like next echelon are the ones who just make it look seamless. Like they kind of saw the whole wave before it even happened, which is obviously 
so difficult to do in a wave that long and with that many different types of sections. But the people who do it well, it's like, holy shit, that was really impressive. That was one of the most profound things I've ever heard. I actually just got chicken skin of you reading that out. That is so true of the wave. And it, 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 is, it is absolutely the truth. The trick that I would try to encourage, particularly Ricardo Christie, even though I never had, uh, you know, he and I went there one year and he didn't get a fantastic result, but his warm-up surfs were just unbelievable. Like, ranked 30 in the world, looking like a top three surfer out there. Like, so good. But his, his, his issue was his anticipation and the times that it mattered were going wasted on times that didn't need it. And so one of the days we walked down the bottom of the point and we mapped out the wave from top to bottom. And it is really a wave where you're not getting the majority of your score at the start of the wave. The meat and potatoes of the score come from the last two or three sections. But if you're out of rhythm coming into those sections, they go to waste. But the trick is you can't just stand on the wave for a hundred meters before doing a turn. You have to be doing something that's eye-catching and builds anticipation for the ride. Joel Parkinson was hands down the best at this. He would sit the deepest, he would ride the wave for the longest, and he would finish with a bang. I'd say Geordie Smith is in the same boat. It's it's the impression that you leave with the judges. All right, there you have it. So with that, now it's time to get into some picks. Hard to go past Ethan Ewing, back to back. Um, I usually let you go first, but not today. He just put up a wave on his Instagram. It was just one single turn. And it is just, you know, Instagram is just full of nonsense. This this was something that really, really absolutely stops you in your tracks. So gonna gonna say that Ethan's gonna be pretty hard to beat out there this year. He's so strong. He's light on his feet when he needs to be and heavy in the turns that matter and it's super hard to get past him all right well i'm going to break the rules a little bit here typically we go with different people but i think there are certain times and occasions where we're allowed to just go ahead and yeah basically just put all our put all our money on one dog and i'm going ethan as well i think that he's come out of he's in a really good run right now he had a surprisingly good result at surf ranch he had a surprisingly good result in Brazil, and he's number four in the world. He's looking every bit like he could be in the top three or two come the end of the year. And I think a win here would really just like cement his 2023 as one of the, yeah, just with all the talent on tour, seriously, like one of the most impressive runs ever for a person who, for the most part, is not going significantly above the lip in competitive surfing in 2023. It's really, really crazy to see how well he can do just surfing the face of the wave. So I'm going Ethan as well for my overdog. Um, are we doing uh, women's favorites first or are we going into men's uh, dark horses? I think we should roll into some women's favorites, keep keep the, the favorites theme running. Um, do I go Duncan's whole stable or do I mix it up? Now I've got to back the Gold Coast queen, queen of the world, Stephanie Gilmore. She, she needs a result because like in all honesty, Tahiti's a roll-the-dice event for her. Time in the lineup in Tahiti matters, and I just don't think Steph's had a whole ton of it. J-Bay's going to have to be where it matters for her. and she, she To make the final five, I believe she's going to have to win this event. So she loves it when her back's against the wall. Fire away, Steph. Get the job done. Well, as I understand it, she loves it when her face is against the wall because 
backside is not exactly her, her forte, but I understand what you're saying here. And I agree. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, back against the wall of the tube when it's going over you. Is that a thing? No. <laughs> so I'm going to go Carissa. Uh, I think that this is an event that really lends itself to, one, people with experience, and two, just sort of the best surfing typically wins. The one caveat there is, you know, if you do get a slow heat, then that can really play into things, and that definitely happens out at J-Bay. But Chris is a past winner out here, um, and to me, she is like the strongest all-around women surfer on tour. It's been said a million times, but you put her on a good wave out there, and she's going to get an 8 or a 9, most likely. So I'm going Carissa for the win this time. You're on the Duncan Scott surfing team right there, Mikey. I wish you all the best. Thank you. All right, so let's get into some dark horses. This is following a trend of breaking rules, and I, I could understand why people might not think he's a dark horse, but he's never really had like a crazy, crazy result out there. So I'm going to go Griffin Colapinto. Uh, again, similar to Ethan, just having a year. Looks really connected. Warm-up clips look insane. He missed the best day of the swell, actually, going into this event. And I reckon that's just going to add a little bit of, you know, Griffin's pretty zen, but at the end of the day, he still likes getting good waves. And I reckon that might just put a little bit of a bee under his bonnet and get him fired up to do the job. You think he's going to go Kelly Slater, September Sessions mode, where he missed the good day and then just goes and finds this, like, Misto Reef pass by himself, scores the best section of the film? Yep. Griffin's going to do that. He's going to be getting tubed all the way down the bottom, out of camera have some weird bodyboarder <laughs> get in his way. <laughs> All right. I like it. I like it. Um, I'm going to go with another person who not so long ago it would be crazy to consider him a dark horse, but he's never won out here, and he hasn't had a year up to his standard, so I'm going to go JJF. Ah, I like it. Um, yeah. It's, it's so weird. Like, God, I just, yeah, coming into this year, I had such a different perception of who the best competitive surfers in the world was. My whole like concept has been just flipped on its head, basically. But yeah, John Johnny hasn't had a win yet this year. Is that because of the waves, though? It very well could be, but it's just so hard to parse that from the reality of the situation, which is, you know, Medina's not in the top five, John's not in the top five, and this is the, it's like a postmodern world. But I have seen clips of JJF this past week. He went there early. He's been spending time with his brother there. It looks like they've been having tons of fun. Obviously, his surfing is still at a level where when the waves are good like that, it's unbelievable. And I will say, we've had this debate a lot. I think Ethan Ewing could beat John John, even if the waves were really good at J-Bay. Just the way that he's surfing to me. John John's surfing, I, I almost want to say it's gotten a little bit less angular and Ethan's is only like getting better John John still obviously has incredible power in his turns but he's not getting the same level of like rotation I think is Ethan or I know he's not and I think that that's going to be the difference maker and especially at J-Bay if you are if the difference is you're able to get your shoulders all the way around and through and somebody else isn't I think that the person who's doing those full rotation turns is going to get the big scores so i still think ethan's the favorite over john but i think john um it would be really cool to see him get a win here cement himself in the top five and have a crack at the world title this year so that's my male dark horse and then on the women's side who you got well i mean to your point about john and the waves and his ability like it's it is clear it, it's just a wave height that he needs to show his repertoire and it just has become very obvious this year 
Um, Sakurama is a great example. Like you don't really think of John going left, but he looked amazing at Sakurama. That's because he had the chance to be able to swing his hips into his turns rather than trying to fit them in like off his ankles and, and that grovel type of surfing. So there's no there's no denying it. If very much like Gabriel and Italo with with John, there's a certain size that they need to be able to kind of mask some of their weaknesses. J Bay is one of those ways where if it's six to eight feet doesn't matter if you're goofy or natural, man. You've just got to have balls of steel and square up and hit those two last massive sections. The flow factor kind of gets taken out of it. But at four to six foot, that's where you do need to have the whole package. And, you know, committing to turns with a bit of different variety does matter. And I managed to, you know, John loosely admitted that this year at Margaret River. And I wasn't sure if my question to him came off how I intended it, but I just said, like, oh, is there anything in Ethan's game that you look to emulate? It, it by no way meant that Ethan was the better surfer than him at Margaret River. We know John is the standard setter there. But and he, he said, yeah, no, there is. Like, there's turns that Ethan does that I think everyone on tour looks to do, and, and John's no different. So this could be a good event where John does look to get a bit more angular, and he's, he's always had that rotation through his bottom half. But there are times where anyone in their career needs to start showing variety and, and and I know that that's one thing he's definitely been working on so you know whether he gets his inspiration from Ethan or Mick or, or whoever just where he's twisting to add variety into his waves and his scores I think um I think it'd be easy wins for him because when he gets the section that he wants and he gets to go right on the back foot and not really twist at all and just ride through the turn it's obviously lights out, but it, you just need a certain size of wave for him to be able to do that, which it's going to be borderline this week, I reckon. All right, so that's the man. Dark horse woman, who you got? Oh, it's a tricky one. I think that someone like Katie Simmers probably can't be considered a dark horse, but I'm going to chuck her in the dark horse category just due to her lack of time spent at J-Bay. Uh, given the fact that she might have only been there once, if that, in her lifetime, uh, J-Bay is certainly a wave that, you know, reps in the water definitely count. But if there's one thing she showed us this year is that that doesn't matter at all when you surf as good as her. So, yeah, look, probably not a dark horse, but I'm going to pick her as my dark horse, Katie Simmers, uh, for, for obvious reasons, given her performances in right-hand points and, uh, you know, her style of surfing. Also, do you think if she manages to do one of those roundhouses out there, she'll get scored properly for it? Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. And it needs to be done at the end of the wave. If you look at all the best scores out there, they finish with a wrapping maneuver. Secondly, followed by a floating maneuver. Thirdly, a weird tube where you kind of come out the bottom of the wave and you're not getting that kegged. Um, the judges don't really get fooled by that anymore. So, yeah, any time at the end of the wave where you can turn your nose back around to the top of the point, and if she gets one of those under-the-lip, like, rebound finishes in, mate, it's going to be lights out. All right. So, well, this is weird because, one, uh, you can you can tell me if this is allowed or not because you picked this person as your favorite, and also they're only an underdog in the sense that they're not in the top five right now. But I was going to go Steph as my underdog. That's fine. The women's tour is so jumbled up right now, and it makes it amazing. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's fine. I think the only two people that you probably couldn't pick as underdogs would be, like, Carissa and Tyler. That's probably, you know, everyone else, it's sort of even playing field. Okay, cool. Well, so the thing with Steph is last year, 
we saw her to me she was the best surfer on the women's side when the waves were clean so that's really what it's going to come down to because she just and we talked about this last year she just doesn't have the same like weight on her that some of the other women do to get through those like choppy bumpy conditions so you put her on a clean face and she can put her board anywhere that she wants but the second that you get a bit of devil wind, she it just she turns into a bit of a different surfer. So to me, it's going to come down to conditions. But there's nobody that I'd want to see ride a wave more than Steph, like a perfect wave out there. And I think that if she does get lucky with the conditions, that she is right up there with Carissa as a favorite in this event. So yeah, I think one of those two is going to win, and that's where I'm putting my money. On to go past you. Speaking of that, let's get into some gamble ramble. All right, Mikey, you set the world on fire at the last event. Uh, I hope that you followed through on your promise to get your wife a expensive bottle of wine. Uh, secondly, who you got for this one coming up? Well, I just want to say that it is crazy. Like looking at the heat draw for this event, after the cut, there are just no heats with like weak points. There are no heats where you're like, oh man, this is going to be such a walkthrough for this guy. Um, and well, I guess Brazil had that one with Felipe, Kelly and Callum that I felt pretty confident about, but that ended up not happening obviously because Kelly didn't show up and I nearly lost because <laughs> Samuel Poupeau nearly, yeah, <laughs> smoked him. But, but it's crazy. Like you look through the heat draw in this event and there's no heat that I feel confident like, oh, that guy's got it. Or even like, this is like a really crazy good opportunity because I think there's a decent chance that this underdog is going to win. But if you put me on the spot, um, this person has been having a really, really good run of late, and they have a couple of advantages coming into this heat. The main one being that he's on his forehand versus two backsiders. Of course, we know Goofy Footers can do really well at J-Bay too, but if you're able to create a little bit of a point of difference, um, and hopefully he'll just continue his... He's been really confident. Like He's been kind of just throwing anything at the wave, and it, it seems to be sticking a lot of the time, and I like that. He is coming up against the previous event winner who also looked really good at J-Bay and a person who grew up surfing a right point. So his odds are against him, but if you want to put money on somebody who could have a good return, I've got Ian Gentile at plus 400 against Connor O'Leary and Yago Dora. So that's my men's pick. What do you think, Stacey? I like it. And as I was looking at the heat draw there, that could have been one of two people. And I think that you could you could apply a similar similar description to Heat 7. Maddie McGivore v. Ryan Callanan v. Gabriel Medina. Like, Gabby hasn't really come flying out of the gates this year, and neither does Ryan. Ryan likes warming up into events. So if Maddie can... Uh, and he can really get come out of the gate swinging there. Obviously, he's on home court. Uh, the other thing with Matty, too, is that he's fine with a bit of wind. So if, he, if he's heat later in the day, which it might be, depending on if they start with men or the women. He loves wind. He every All of his like big moments seem to come from when there's wind because he's just got that like big, wide, sturdy stance, and he just powers through it, and he's built like a fucking brick. That was the first time I saw his air game in real life and it was on like a six foot section right on the bricks at the end of the wave he flung this huge air and he didn't make it he got absolutely detonated but i was like you know he came kind of close to landing and i was like wow you know maddie can do punts and 
and you know it's it's not so much like the air ramp that's scary out there it's it's the landing like it is literally on rocks once you ride the wave that far in so he's as we've seen on his instagram he's absolutely scared of nothing so um yeah i, I think he could be another another dark horse as well well interestingly i don't know what it's like on the australian betting sites but betonline.ag our partner they have him as not the lowest rated surfer in that heat they have him paying um not quite as much as ryan callanan so i think uh they're probably taking to note some previous uh events that he's had out there i know he's had some pretty good results at jbay and also he's obviously just from there so there's a few factors going into it uh bet online has him not as the underdog in that heat per se Hmm. well maybe they've been listening to the podcast <laughs> all right so then on the women's side again a bunch of like really really stacked heats but I'm going to go with someone who has been largely forgotten this year, but I rode to a lot of success last year. And I think she finished third, maybe fourth in the, fourth in the world. Um, Joanne DeFay. She obviously was injured for the first part of this year. But I, to me, there's no reason why she can't go out and like do the type of surfing that she was doing last year to get some really good results. So she's going against Tati and Tyler, which is a very stacked heat. She's paying plus 350. Um, but, you know, when I think when Joanne turns it on and she really like hooks in, her surfing is right up there with the top five. So I'm hoping that she gets an opportunity to do that and wins me a bit of money. I like it, Mikey. Good picks. How's the time zone for you? I think it's absolutely horrible to watch surfing in south africa i can't even yeah i can't even watch it starts at like 1 a.m and depending on when they call it ends around like 8 a.m or something like that so yeah i can wake up early and maybe catch the freaking the coaches wind heats at the end of the day but that's about it <laughs> uh, it's like our finals five situation at trestles so you you know just feel our pain here in Australia. Yeah, but at least that's one day and you're like, you're committed. Like the whole year builds up to that. So you're waking up at 3 a.m. Yeah, it's actually 12, 12.30 start. And I actually haven't watched one year. That's how much of a fan I am. Oh, <laughs> It's Fuck. too hard. That's heavy actually, isn't it? It's too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I wouldn't know whether to have a beer or a coffee. It's just like, what do you do? Yeah. All right. Well, J-Bay, looks like it's going to start the first day of the waiting period. Um, you obviously have our picks, and hopefully you make some good picks of your own as well, whether you're betting on betonline.ag or just having fun with some friends watching. Uh, Stacy, anything else before we close this one out? No. Really looking forward to it, Mikey. Are you going to close with a floater or, uh, or a wrap round or what? I'm closing with a full wrap, like bury the nose from nose to tail. And I'm actually not. I'm probably finishing with like a straighten out and try and find the keyhole not getting annihilated <laughs> <laughs> all right you heard it here first until next week or actually buck and i'll be back on friday to talk about all this week's news and stace and i will be back at the end of this event to discuss winners losers and everything in between 